0: sister. They grieved for her, but they weren't about to walk away from that to which they were entitled. Their next stop was to seek the intervention of their uncle. As both a priest and a Sullivan, they thought he would see the need to keep the statue in their line, but much to their surprise, Father John Sullivan came down firmly on Doyle's side, chastising his nieces for even suggesting that Teddy and Tip should be forced to give up this likeness of their mother, having just given up Bernadette herself. If he hadn't closed the argument down then, chances are that none of the Sullivans would have ever spoken to any of the Doyles again. It was a very pretty statue, as those things go, maybe a foot and a half high, carved from rosewood, and painted with such a delicate hand that, many generations later, her cheeks still bore the high, translucent flush of a girl startled by a compliment. Likenesses of the Mother of God abounded in the world, and in Boston they were doubled, but everyone who saw this statue agreed that it possessed a certain inestimable loveliness that set it far apart. It was more than just the attention to detail. The tiny stars carved around the base that earth sat on, the gentle drape of her sapphire cloak. It was Mary's youth, how she hovered on the line between mother and child. It was the fact that this particular Mother of God was herself an Irish girl who wore nothing on her head but a thin wooden disc the size of a silver dollar and leafed in gold. Bernadette's mother had given her the statue for a wedding present, and it wasn't until they were home from their wedding trip to Maine and were putting things away in their over large house on Union Park that Doyle really stopped to look at what was now theirs. He got very close to it then and peered at the face for a long time. He reached a conclusion that he thought was original to him. This thing really looks like you, he said. I know, Bernadette said. That's why I got it. Doyle had certainly seen the statue in her parents' house, but he had never gone right up to it before. He did not have the kind of faith that believed religious statuary was appropriate for living rooms, and now here it was, in his own living room, staring down at them from the mantel. He mentioned this to Bernadette. In that bright empty room there was no place else to rest your eyes. The virgin looked so much larger, holier than she had in the clutter of her parents' house. Don't you think it's a bit overtly Catholic? her young husband asked. Bernadette cocked her head and tried to divorce herself from her history. She tried to see it as something new. It's art, she said. It's me. Pretend that she's naked. He looked his arms around this beautiful girl who was his wife. The very word naked made him kiss her ear. So where did it come from? Bernadette looked at him now. My mother never told you this story? Doyle shook his head. Bernadette rolled her dark red hair around one hand and then stuck a pencil from her back pocket through the knot to secure it to her head. That's because my mother's afraid of you. She's afraid of boring you. She tells this story to everyone. I don't know if I should be flattered or offended, Back then there was only one sofa, one dinged-up chair, one round leather ottoman that looked like a button. They left the boxes and sat together on the couch, her legs draped over his. It's a sad story, she said. I'll remember it, he said. That way you'll only have to tell me once. The story she knew began in Ireland, where her great-grandfather was a boy full of stories and high expectations. When he was still young, He settled those expectations on the lovely shoulders of Doreen Clark, a red headed girl whose beauty was outmatched only by her piety. Doreen Clark had made it clear that she had no interest in any of the boys who took such a keen interest in her. She was leaning towards the convent as if a strong wind were blowing her there. No boy who tried had been able to distract her from her prayers and good deeds, so, despite all his best efforts, the great grandfather's courting met with no success. Despondent, the boy left his hometown of Iski, and was gone for more than half a year. If Doreen Clark ever noticed his absence, she did not mention it once, even to her sisters. When he came home again, he was seventeen, Bernadette said. He looked leaner, handsomer than anyone had remembered, and he had a lumpy bundle tied to his back. He said he had traveled all over the world, trying to put Doreen out of his mind, but the cause was hopeless. No one could forget Doreen. When he was in Rome. He went to Rome? Doyle said. At sixteen? What year is this? Listen to the story, she said. The great grandfather was quick to point out he had traveled all the